0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw. Steps up. Floats a bomb up the right seam. Looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. deflected. and picked up. will take it in. Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown! Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing
1: in. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's that's the Qinator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1, and it is time for Off the Edge with the man who is responsible for sacking Tom Brady, not just once, nope, not once, but twice in a single game back in 2011 against the New England Patriots, current CFL star, former New York Jet, and of course, former Rutgers great, Mr. Jamal Westerman. Jamal, what's going on, buddy?
1: Scott, Scott, I appreciate you, man. Everything's going great, man. Enjoying the day. Man, I don't know, man. you're out the, the playoffs. Should we, like, stop talking about Brady for a little bit? what if he's no longer a Patriot next year? Let's not talk about that. Let's keep going, man. How you doing, man? <laughs> well, Jamal,
2: as I was telling you before we started recording, I have some breaking news. I heard from a league source that Brady has said that he wants to continue to play next year and that his preference is to play for the Patriots – but only if the Patriots can guarantee him that you are not coming back to the NFL because he does not want to get sacked twice in a game again.
1: <laughs> oh man! Well, listen, he listen. I one thing I know, he don't got to <laughs> worry about that. Oh man! Listen, man. Heard, I'm hearing he may be on the West Coast. You never know, man. It's gonna be. It's, I think it's gonna be a fun off season once we get through this great playoff. You know, these great playoff games and get off, get over with the Super Bowl. I think the off is gonna be fun this year. A lot, a lot of big names on the move.
2: Yeah, no question. By the way, before we get into it this week, who do you like this weekend to go to the Super Bowl? Who are your picks out of the AFC and the NFC?
1: Mm, ooh, man. Oh, man, I, I like the way the Titans are playing, man. And that run game, and I know this time of year, the run game, everybody's beat up. Everybody's, you know, everybody's tired, man, and to have to tackle that man, I mean, King Henry, 30 times a game, 20-something times a game, it's is very, is very difficult. So, I think I'm going to go with the Titans. I mean, Cannon Hill, listen, Tanner Hill's been doing, you know, throwing little passes here and there, a handful of passes, been doing what he has to do. But i definitely going to go, yeah, I think I'm going to go with – I think the Titans are going to take it all, man. I, I don't know. I think this is their year. I don't know. Who, who are you with? Who Who do you want?
2: Got to be honest, Jamal, I'm really torn on this one, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about the natural breakthrough pain relief solution CryoFree CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. The best part is it's 100% natural, CBD powered, and it works like magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than any of the over-the-counter products you can possibly find. And if you want to try it out, which I highly recommend because I use it myself since I run a lot and I get a lot of pain in my joints and my back and my neck, I've got a special offer for you as a listener of Play Like a Jet. All you've got to do is is go over to omaxhealth.com. That's O-M-A-X health.com. Use the promo code OVERTIME, and you'll get yourself 20% off a full bottle of cryo CBD pain relief roll-on and free shipping. And even better, that promo code is good for a discount on 20% off anything site-wide. So go check it out. Pro athletes use it, and so do I, so you know it works. Cryo-free CBD roll-on from Omax Health. Go to OmaxHealth.com today. Enter the promo code OVERTIME. Get yourself up to 20% off plus free shipping and get rid of that nagging muscle and joint pain today. So, Jamal, like I was saying, with the matchup this weekend between the Chiefs and the Titans, I'm really torn because I think the Titans are a really good team, but it's just so hard to pick against the Chiefs because they can score so fast and in so many different ways. I think the chess match here is really interesting because on the one side, you have a good offense with the Titans that is very different than the offense you have with the chiefs. So the Titans can put up points But a lot of it is based on controlling the ball, keeping the opponent off the field, Tannehill making plays to keep the chains moving, Derrick Henry with his running ability, which is obviously propelling the Titans right now. And then on the other end of things, you got Patrick Mahomes just slinging it all over the place to Travis Kelsey, to Hill, to Sammy Watkins. It's really fascinating stylistically. I don't know who to pick in this one. I guess I would have to go with the Chiefs if I was pressed. So, oh, you're yeah,
1: offensive guy, man. The Titans have been playing hell of defense. They have. That run, see, the thing is, I like the keep away aspect, can you just say, because if they can keep running the ball and they can keep, you know, keep wearing down that defense. The defense has been playing good. You know, their defense has been playing, playing good the last eight or nine, you know, games throughout the season, especially in the playoffs. But I think if the Titans can play keep away and run the ball and kind of, you know, shorten the game pound them in submission, mm-hmm. even if Mahone scores quickly, they just have to continue to control the ball. And I think that's the one thing that they can do. And they're playing hard. And if we look at last year and we're going into playoffs, you know, the Patriots, this is the way they kind of got going. They came in the playoffs and they were just running the rock in both games and were able to carry them. So, you know, the tackle this time of year, you, you can watch those games. And some of those guys were turning down some of those tackles.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying the Titans can't win. In fact, I've gone back and forth on this, and I'm still not sure. Because remember, the Titans have Derrick Henry just running through everything right now, and the Chiefs have a terrible run defense. The only one worse than them was the Panthers this year. And we don't know what's going on with Chris Jones right now. So that obviously affects a lot, because Chris Jones is their key piece in the middle. So it's really hard to predict that one. And then with Green Bay and San Francisco... I want to see Green Bay win just because I want to see Rodgers in the Super Bowl. But the Niners look like such a complete team right now. I don't know that Jimmy G is a great quarterback, but I think he's good enough that there's so many elite pieces all the way around on that team. And that defense, I mean, as a defensive guy, Jamal, they're just crushing people.
1: That front, that front is amazing. How many first round, Nick Bosa, Armstead, Buckner, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting D Ford back, Solomon, Tommy, you have straight playmakers up front where you can just send four they're going to make it happen and you can drop guys in coverage I mean the only thing that's scary is that it's still A-Rod over there and with A-Rod over there and that you know that connection he had with Devontae Adams it's always going to be difficult but that front four gets after it that front four gets after it you know they're going to get after him and Richard Sherman is over there on the right side people say he doesn't follow the best receiver but he literally shuts down the entire half of the field so it's going to be a difficult game for A-Rod, and I think San Francisco will take it because of that front, and they can get the pressure on him, and even if he's moving. I mean, you got four, four first-rounders up there with D. Ford coming in that can make plays over the guard or on the outside. It's going to be a difficult game for A-Rod.
2: The thing for me is when you have an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or last week with Russell Wilson, let's be real, the Seahawks were an inferior team to the Packers in just about every way, but Russell Wilson is so good that he was almost like a human tow truck carrying that Seahawks team, and he almost pulled off the comeback. In fact, Jamal reminded me a little bit of the January 2011 AFC Championship game between you guys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Mark Sanchez wasn't Russell Wilson, but if you remember in that game, the Steelers got out to a lead pretty quickly, and then the Jets were catching up, and then at the end, they just ran out of time, and Ben Roethlisberger hit that big completion on third down to seal it. That's what happened with Aaron Rodgers here. He had two big third downs to seal the win, but for a while, it looked like Wilson might pull this off. I think you could see that with Rodgers in the sense that I think Green Bay is the inferior team here. The 49ers are stacked all over the place, but as you said, whenever you have Aaron Rodgers on a team, much like Russell Wilson or for many years Tom Brady or somebody like Drew Brees, an elite quarterback like that, you can never really count him out.
1: You know, the thing with Aaron Rodgers that makes him his lead is that we, we say that he can make every throw. He can move around. He has the mobility to get outside the pocket, but that front four, that mobility almost becomes a hindrance because with those guys rushing, he thinks his clock – has to be faster, but Aaron Rodgers is a guy that he knows that, listen, I can make a guy miss, I'm going to be able to get outside the pocket, I can extend the play, but with these guys, he has to realize, listen, let me get the ball out of my hand a little bit quicker earlier in the game, tire them out, and then later in the game, maybe that's when I get on a move. You know, that's when, a, a la Russell Wilson last week, maybe, maybe that's when I'm trying to get outside the pocket to look for those plays to extend the drive. So, early in the game, you got to get that ball in the hand. So, those guys are fired up, both Defensive you know, rookie of the year Probably defensive MVP and everything like that They have a lot of pro bowlers on that side And they're playing fast, they're playing physical And they're getting after it
2: Yeah, these are fascinating matchups all the way around Obviously we know that The Packers got beaten down pretty badly The first time against the 49ers But as you know, Jamal Playoff football is very different than regular season football And the timing of games Often comes into play in a very big way So these are going to be very interesting matchups All the way around this weekend And once they're over with, we've got some time between the Super Bowl and then next week we're going to Mobile. Well, not literally going to Mobile, but eyes are all going to Mobile to watch what goes on at the Senior Bowl. There are going to be a ton of players that are going to have their Potential livelihood on the line in a lot of ways, in the sense that they can improve or decrease their draft stock. We've seen so many players who have made their bones during Senior Bowl practice, during the actual game. Look at a guy like E.J. Manuel, who, because of being the MVP of the Senior Bowl, ended up going in the first round. Nathan Shepard, who's a current Jet, was very much an unknown until he did very well at the Senior Bowl practice, ended up being a third round pick. And there is a lot to watch As there is every single year Clayton Smarslock, our guy on the scene At TurnOnTheJets.com He was there last year, he's going to be there again So he'll be calling in with daily news and notes And when I say notes I mostly mean the stuff that these executives Say in the bar at night When they've had a few And they start to have (coughs) loose lips And let people know things that they shouldn't let them know And that's where all the gossip starts But Jamal you have been through this process because when you were getting ready to try and enter the draft and get into the NFL, you had to go through the whole process of going through these all star games and then going to the combine at Indianapolis. And now you get other athletes ready for it. So, before we talk about what you do with these guys and what the process is like for them, tell me about what it was like for you.
1: I mean, the, the draft process, you know, com- you know, getting ready for the draft, getting ready for a combine is different for every player depending on, you know, do you go to a bowl game? Don't you go to a bowl game? How you end the season? Are you healthy? You know, are you injured? You know, my senior year, I got injured midway through our, my, my season. I tore my bicep, and I continued to play. I played the last, I think, five games, but then I was forced to uh, sit out the bowl game. I had to have surgery. So coming into this process, I was coming, you know, injured. And it was actually a, a great thing for that injury. It was kind of bad luck, but it ended up being a, a pretty gr- good thing for me because it allowed me to – you know that's one of the ways I used to pick my agent. So going through this process, your senior year, maybe some some now some now into your junior year, you're talking to agents. You know, you're you know, you may talk to them every Sunday. That's how we did it at Rutgers. Or every Sunday, you know, you can talk to an agent. You can talk to whoever you want. So i was you know talking to you know a couple agents, and I was down to three. And I got hurt mid year, spoke to the staff, spoke to the doctors. You know, every I was you know going crazy. You know, my last year, and I kind of used it to pick an agent. So I was talking to agents. And I said, listen. You know, you, you guys are the only guys that know I'm I'm hurt. One agent didn't really know anything about being injured. He was like, I don't know what I can do for you. You know, I think you should be fine. That's cool. Another agent, he was kind of flustered when he was saying, Hey, man, you're hurt. Have surgery now. You, you know, you won't make it if you don't have surgery right now. You won't be ready for the draft. You know, and that was too. And then the agent I ended up picking, uh, the guys with EAES, know you know, he kind of had a plan saying, well, you know, go talk to the doctors, you know, see how long the recovery is going to be. And, you know, if you, if you want to play with it, it may be a good thing because depending on how you play, you know, your name is still going to be on, you know, the guy, the scout's mind, because so they're seeing you play. They don't know that you're hurt yet. You know, so I decided to play through the, you know, the last four games of the season, five games of the season, ended up getting surgery November 1st. And then it was into that training mode, you know. So went to the bowl game with the team. And after that, I was recovering, but I was training in a place in New Jersey called Test Sports Club. So normally, what happens is your 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 agent or your representative, you know, now guys are you know a lot smarter with their money, but your agent or your representative he may help set up or pay for your training. So he may find a facility for you to uh, train at. You know, you you'll go around look at different facilities, different you know training facilities, and you're training for the draft. So if you want the facilities that have a, a good reputation you know, training former athletes, training guys that, you know, got drafted in the first round, undrafted guys, you know, whatever. So I ended up picking a spot in New Jersey, you know, to do all my – most of my rehab at and train for the draft. And training for the draft for me was a lot of just getting my recovery down, you know, getting – rehabbing my bicep injury. And it's really the first time since I came to, you know, college that I was kind of working for myself. Because when you're in school when I was in college, it was all Rutgers. I was down – you know, to, to get the wins. But when you're, after you go, after you, you know, school and you're done with school and you're going through the draft process, you're kind of working for yourself. You know, you're the CEO of me. So you're, you're about, you know, getting your body ready. And these facilities that give you breakfast, they give you lunch, they give you dinner, you know, massage, yoga. And I was doing all that recovering, you know, so you're going through the process of repairing your body, you know, not only physically, but you know, I was recovering, trying to get stronger, you know, trying to get back. So, You know, during this process, I wasn't doing a lot of running. You know, I was mostly just, you know, rehabbing my bicep. And then, you know, in this process, you're training for the 40-yard dash, which we all know about. I mean, you take two tenths off your 40, you know, during training, that can change your draft stock. You know, your 5'10", your vert, your broad jump, you know, your your bench press. And a lot of these drills that they have you do, you know, they're great. They're a measurement where you can put everybody through the same drills. But I think the thing that always comes back and which I was happy that, you know that was my play, and I think the coaches, you know, they hold that game film at the top and they look at the game film. That's the most important thing when it comes to the draft process. But you know, seeing the kid's forty or five ten five, it just checks the box. like, okay, he is as fast as we thought, or wait a minute, he ran a slow forty, he ran a five flat. We thought he was faster. Let's take another look at his film. Let's see, is he fast enough to play on this level? And what's that process? I didn't get invited to the combine or any senior games because I was hurt. So the first time I got to. Show myself in front of NFL scouts, and oh, this is after you know normal program is about twelve weeks of training. Was March twenty third, two thousand and nine, and that was Rutgers, you know, our pro day. And the pro days were, you know, we had all thirty two scouts are there, and you run similar drills that you do at the combine, but it's a one day event, so you're not doing as much one on one with with scouts, you know, you're not doing as much. You know, there's not as many coaches there. You know, it's not like a coaching staff would send five guys to a pro day. You know, they may send one or or area scout or their GM, depending on you know who they're looking at. And we had a ton of guys coming out of my pro day. We had um Jason McCourty, uh, Tyquan Underwood. He's his new new wide receiver coach at Rutgers. So shout out Coach Wood, uh, Kevin Malice. I mean, uh, Kenny Britt was our first rounder that year. And you know, I think the first guy I saw was Terry Bradway, and he was at our pro day, I believe. And
2: you know, he said, oh, Westerman,
1: wait a minute, you're not, you're not doing anything because you tore your bicep, right, you're going to wait, because everybody thought that I wasn't going to be ready in time, you know, having surgery in November, you know, December, January, February, March, you know, to only, not only be recovered and ready to, you know, perform in a pro day, but put a, you know, a good performance it. but I said, you know what, I'll be ready to go, so I sit down at the bench, and one of the scouts were like, hey, man, you don't got to, you know, we understand, it's just the bench, you know, you don't have to do it, and, you know, I, I've always thought that, you know, when you have an opportunity to compete, when you have the opportunity to put it out there, and especially, you know, myself coming off an injury, I wanted to do that. So I said, no, nah, I got it. So I sat down on the bench, and I've been training for the bench, you know, but I, I haven't really pushed myself yet to see what my true number was. You know, I, I was working doing the bench press, and I knew I wasn't going to hit the number I could pre, you know, bicep injury. But I just wanted to show them that I was working. So I get under the bench, and I'm, you know, I'm all fired up. Everybody's screaming and slapping you around. I don't listen. Yeah, I don't really like people like slapping. I just like to get up under the bench and do the work. And I feel all that screaming and stuff. is not going to help me get an extra rep. So I get on under the bench and boom, knock them out. I hit 18 and then I struggle through 19 and I barely got 20. Normally, you know, you'll go down for 21, 22 because I pushed out, you know, two or three more before. But I was like, nah, 20 is a pretty good number. And I racked it. You know, everybody's like, oh, Wes, that's what's up, man. You know, and it was crazy because, you know, I didn't think – I didn't have no clue what number I would get. And 20 for myself, you know, I weighed in, I think, 260 at my pro day was a solid number for a defensive and outside linebacker. I showed them that I've been working to get back. I'm not where I'm, where I'm going to be in another month, but you can see that I put in the work to get to this point. You know, after that, you kind of – you go on the field now, and that's when you do your 40, your 5'10", 5, 5', 5, your L drill, which is very important for an edge rusher, you know, your three-cone drill, your broad jump, your burst. And then the coaches have a chance to take you one-on-one and with your position group, and you can do, you know, defensive line drills, corners, you know, receiver drills, or running routes. So I was doing – first I thought I doing the D-line drills, and that's – you know, I was at home on the D-line. So that's where I played, you know, running the hoops, hitting the bags, and it was about three of us. But then some of the coaches and the scouts were like, hey, let's see him in his linebacker drills. I'm like, dope, man. I was, I was fired up for that because I knew that if I was going to transition, you know, going into the next level – the more I can do. If I can show them, I can move around a little bit. I can drop in coverage. You know, I can play a little outside backer. You know, that would also help me. So, again, I, I line up in these drills, and, and this is the part that I'm not going to lie, man. I'm a horrible, horrible, horrible. I can't catch I can't catch a cold. I can't. I got hands, like, I got feet for hands. You seen the better hands on the clock. I cannot catch at all. And during my recovery process while I was training for the combine, I wasn't doing any catching drills because my bicep was just coming back. So I wasn't really doing any, like, I was doing the drop, but I I don't throw it or, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of catching. I was just trying to get stronger. So I must have dropped every ball at my pro day. I mean, and the thing with the linebacker drills, since it was myself, probably two or three of us, so we did our drills with the DBs. So now we got Jason McCordy, Courtney Green in front of me, and these are guys that end up getting drafted, and they're doing their drills, and I I feel the scouts. They're throwing it easy to these guys. They're just tossing it to them. They're catching it. They're making it look cool. When I'm up there, I I'm, I swear, this guy from Seattle. I can't remember his name. He was a scout. It's like he was gunning them at my face. and I was just dodging them. I felt like I was playing dodge while I, I was there. Hitting off my hands. The ball was beating me up. But you do that job. with dog tired because I just did a D-line stuff. After that, that day was good. And then you go on to visits. And when you visit with teams, teams actually will come in. You know, They want to sit with you. They want to talk to you. It sounded like a
2: a semi-recruiting
1: trip, but they're really poking and prodding. So I had a visit with the Chicago Bears and the Houston Texans and the New York Jets. So Chicago and Houston, since they were further, you know, they fooled me out there. And you're riding around from the you – know, and the thing they always say is, you know, talking to my agent, you know, talking to people that have been through this process, they are listen, you don't know who's going to be around. You don't know who is who. So it's always, you know, man, this is, this is, this is a job interview. So approach, you know, treat it as such. You know, so you're riding around the guy driving the car. You don't know if he's a scout. You don't know if he's trying to get information. You know, people are trying to find out who you are. So you're always trying to carry yourself, you know, like a professional, you know, with a lot of respect and respect for the people around you. And for myself, being the guy that was kind of coming back from injury, you know, it really was humbling just for teams to bring you in. And you're seeing, you know, you get to see Chicago Bears and, you know, their Super Bowl trophies and their facilities. Get to go down to Houston and meet with their coaches, staff, and you know, sat down in Chicago with Lovey Smith and you know, these coaches that you see on TV. This is the first time being a you know, college player transitioning, you know, moving into the NFL through the process that you're you know, you're at the spot that you want to be in. You're sitting in the building that you hope one day this would be my linebacker meeting room, I mean, one day this would be where I eat breakfast. You know, so I went on those trips, and I mean, they were great. I remember going to Chicago and I was looking, and they had their draft, you know. Every team, I think they can only bring in, like, 16 or 30 guys, something like that. So you look at the guys that they bring in, and you kind of – you know, as a player, you're always thinking, like, all right, they're bringing in uh, Henry Melton. He was a Mm -hmm. running back that changed to a defensive end tackle uh, out of Texas. My guess. They're bringing in me, and they brought in him at one point. So I figured, all right, so they liked him. You know, depending on who they draft first or anything, probably, you know, the one they're going to take. And so when I remember going to the the Jets, you know, since they were close, you know, I was in New Brunswick at the time and they were right there. This is their first year off season in foreign Park. You know, they told me, All right, you know what, just drive up, you know, we'll you know, bring you in, we'll do the physical, you know, and when they bring you in do a medical, they do a functional movement screen, you know, you sit with the coaching staff, you know, they take blood, they do they kinda of poke and prod and do all the little things that they would normally do at the combine, but since I wasn't able to go to combine, they did it at you know, the in informal park. So when I went to the jet, it tricked me. It was a little different, man. I had, so they give me an itinerary. So I'm looking at it, so, all right, meet with, you know, Bob, you know, I met with Bob Sutton, and then, you know, I met with the strength staff, and they come back and meet with the position coach at the time, and meet with Rex and uh, Mike T, you know, and uh, Terry Bradley. So I'm looking at just a bunch of meetings, similar to the time, you know, you know, similar to, you know, my business in Houston and Chicago that was running a uh business, you know, no real linebacker drills, anything like that, just talking the game, you know, they're meeting me, seeing, you know, how I played, watching a little film. So I, I get in the building, you know, do all the medical stuff. That was all cool, you know, that was all set. So I sat and met with, uh I met with Mike Patton first. You know, I met with, I met with Rex, I met with Mike T, you know, talking. Those guys are hilarious, man. I mean, I thought Rex is a big, bag defensive coach, you know, hard nose, and he was telling, more jokes in a meeting than anything. Mike T. was cool. You know, you meet with those guys. You meet with some scouts. You know, talk a little football. Had an opportunity to sit down with Mike Patton, and he drew up a defense on the board and watched a little film. So I get up there, you know, and then after that, I met with uh, Bob Sutton, who was the linebacker coach at the time. So I sat with Bob, and what they did was, you know, they wanted to see your retention and how you recall, you know, what Mike Patton recorded and showed me. So when he put something on the ball. Hey, draw up or do 63 sky. And that was a defense that Pat just drew up. And it's one of our, one of the base defenses where, you know, you shift everybody to the strength of, you know, the full back. And there's no gaps front side and different things like that. So you're drawing up defenses that they just went over. You know, you're doing some, you know, retention and recalling of you know, the defense that they showed you and with uh, Bob, we watched a little Ruffer's film. You know, he asked me, you know, what are you doing here? What were your responsibilities? And and, and honestly, with stunt, he put up some film where, you, you know, you, you, had a, you had a bad play. You, you, you busted a play. And the one thing with me, you know, he said, what happened right here? And I was like, yeah, I was supposed to be outside, but I jumped inside, you know, they picked up the first down. And I, I was like, listen, this is football. These are football guys. There's no need to lie. There's no need to, you know, hide. I mean, you know, I knew I was a good player. I knew I wanted to, you know, be better, and these are the men that – Hopefully one of you can get me there. So I met with Sutton and, and Sutton's really you know, straightforward, but it was fun meeting with the, of that football guy because he was all about ball. So as I was walking out the meeting room with Sutton, was like, wait a minute, can, can we work you out? And I'm like, oh, no, so I have my suit on now. My nice gray college suit, you know, still didn't get <laughs> paid, so still don't got no money. So I have my nice gray college suit, he's like, can we work you out? I'm like, oh, no, sir, uh, right here on the, the itinerary, and he, starts, he jumps on the phone, he's like, hey, Mike, can we work him out? I'm like, no, sir, sir, right here on the itinerary, says just meeting. He said, we can work them out, right? Because what had happened was the jet moved to, uh, they moved, you know, to Florida Park. So they, now I was within the mileage area where they can bring you in and work you out. Normally, the team at Chicago, if they wanted to work me out. They would have to come to Rutgers and work me out at a Rutgers facility, or you can work out for your home, you know, your hometown team. So say I was in, you know, I was, you know, from Miami, I could work out for the Dolphins at their workout. But since the Jets had moved right, right down the street from Rutgers, they can work me out now, which I had no clue on. So I'm out there with Bob. He's like, get him some cleats. Get him a helmet. Get, I got with the, uh, the equipment guy, Vito and Gus. Hey, man, you need some cleats? I'm like, I didn't bring shit. And they're like, you didn't bring anything? I'm like, listen, I wasn't supposed to work out. Yeah, I, I keep showing everybody my itinerary. And everybody's asking, all oh, right, here's the cleats. Here's, the, hel-, you know, here's the, uh, the shirt. Go outside. So I get outside with Sut. And now, listen, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm like, wait a minute. I wasn't supposed to work out. What kind of workout this going to be so he starts putting me through the drills you know drop you know a regular linebacker drills, you know drop back He want to see you know how you how you close ground how you flip your hits your range and, and your drops, you know how you change the direction is you know we didn't do any 40s or anything but mostly drills but the thing was that i was by myself so every drill i would try to draw back and get back in line he's like take it easy you know take it easy get some water relax we just want to see what you're doing but i'm so nah man i'm not going to show him i'm tired I'm hands off my hips. I'm not trying to breathe hard. and get in the line. Put me through about 10 drills. Get back to the locker room. And I'm exhausted, man. I'm cramping up. My hamstrings are on fire. When I'm trying to play it off, I'm trying to make it look like, yeah, I'm in shape. But the whole time I was training, you're just doing mostly, you know, for myself, I was doing mostly 40, 5, 10, 5, trying to get the drills out. But I wasn't training football drills as much because you're trying to prepare for the draft and for these workouts. But Sut was putting me through straight practice drills. Over the bag, downhill, scoop the ball up, score, different things like that. So after that visit, you know, that was my last visit. You're excited for the draft. You know, everybody says they're not going to watch the draft. But, you know, myself coming off with injury, you know, teams were saying, and uh, my agent was saying, listen, there's a it's possibility you get drafted, you know, but you are injured. You know, the three teams that brought you in there, you know, they want you, but it just depends, you know, if they have players and then, you know, where they can get you depending on the pick. So I'm cool. So I'm watching this draft. My boy Kenny Britton gets drafted first round. We're going crazy. You know, guys, Jay got J Mac gets drafted, uh, Courtney gets drafted, Ty. You know, i went around like, all right, well, there's no Westman. So I I believe Chicago drafted Melton. So I'm like, all right, Chicago drafted Melton, they brought him in. I'm probably not gonna go there because you know that was the guy they brought in for a you know, they liked him. And he ended up playing at a high level I think he believe he got hurt, but he was a very good player for them. So it comes around and every day of the draft, you know, coaches are calling different teams that I would even talked to, the Dolphins, the Chargers, you know, the Texans, and I remember Rex called me, and he was like, hey, man, anybody call? i like, yeah, man, everybody's calling. Shit, when, when are y'all going to draft me? He's like, I don't know, man, we don't have that many picks, so they had just drafted Sanchez in the first round, and then the second, you know, this was after the first day, so they said, you know, we don't have any picks. I believe they had three or four more picks left, so going into the second day, the same thing. You're kind of waiting to get drafted. You know, I have my my, well, she's my wife now, my fiance, with me, some of my boys. And we're just watching the draft, watching to see what Rutgers guys get drafted, you know, watching the highlights of, you know, you may see a draft, and it's like, oh, he got drafted. And, you know, you're on the wrong side of the highlight. You're the one getting run over. So you're watching things like that. And I, for me, it was just enjoying it because, you know, a couple months before, I was just underneath the knife. You know, I didn't know if I was going to, you know, you never know after surgery if you're going to play again. So I was just enjoying that process of just going through it with my friends and having fun watching it. So after the second and the Jets, you know, and I'm watching them, you know, they traded up the early second and They end up getting Sean Green out of Iowa, you know, and we were rookies together, and I mean, he had a pretty good career with the Jets. So, you know, they, they're trading picks. I'm looking, I'm like, I don't think they have too many picks left. So after that, after, I think, I believe after that day, I talked to Rex a little bit more than I was talking to Sutton. And a couple of the scouts were calling us. And, you know, they're like, ah, we don't know. Rex, but I don't know what we're going to do, man. We may have to go all offense depending on what happens. And, I know, up last, they ended up trading up and uh, getting uh, Matt Floss the offensive line out in Nebraska. Had a hell of a career. I believe he just retired two years ago, moved around a little bit after he left the draft. A uh, uh, strong offensive line, they ended up drafting him. So I talked to, you know, the staff after, and a couple teams were calling, but nobody was drafting. So coming on to the end of the draft, I was I always heard that sometimes it's better, you know, if instead of being a seventh-round pick or a sixth-round pick, to kind of be a free agent because you can find a better situation. You know, you can find a team and as we speak, as we talk about a lot, Scott, sometimes it's fit. So you can find a team that may need outside back linebackers. Mm-hmm. You know, you find a team, you may get drafted to a team that's full at that position, and then you're kind of, you know, you're you're the last person on the position. So everybody's in front of you. They're not really looking to you. You know, Maybe they're not teaching you as much. You know, but myself, I was thinking, well, talking to my agents, and, you know, we had a, a list. Uh, these teams drafted, you know, this team drafted two defensive ends. This team did 3-4. They didn't draft the outside backers, so that may be a good free agent team. And you're just looking at the team as the draft is going that uh, this may be a good situation for you. But the Jets kept calling, and it wasn't it wasn't a thing of, you know, it was the scouts calling, which, you know, I had a lot of respect for the guys, but I felt like it was the decision-makers calling. You know, Coach Sutton would talk to me throughout the draft. You know, Rex, you know, were, were give me a call throughout the draft. And these are the guys that, you know, when push comes to shove, these are the guys that make the decision. So after the draft I wasn't drafted, you know, Honestly, going to the Jets, you know, I talked to I believe it was Rex, and he was like, "Listen, we're going to offer you a free agent, be a priority free agent. You know, we didn't draft you, but you know, we like you." But and he said, "I'm going to tell you right now, our free agent ain't get no money." I'm like, "What the hell is that?" I'm like, "I'm trying to get in the NFL, give me no money." And he's like, "Listen, if we give you two thousand dollars. That's going to be every, that's what the priority free agent for the Jets. That's where they have a lot of their money that year. Other teams were calling the Dolphins, uh, San Diego." And teams are offering up to, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for me to come. But, you know, I'm looking at the rosters. I'm like, man, you know, I'm talking to a scout. but this is I'm talking to the head coach now. And one thing Rex said, you know, and it stuck with me a little bit. He said, listen, man, this is what it's going to be. You know, we like you. We think you come in. We, we're we not going to draft any outside linebackers. You know, we want to bring you in our room. We have a veteran room, an older room. But these are good guys to learn. And he said, listen. $20,000 is cool, you know, if you want to go to a different team, but you, you come to what? You're going to make the team. You're going to make the roster. And, and I believe that time, you know, and you, you'll make the team, you'll make all your money. I believe that time like 300 something thousand or 400,000, you know, rookie minimum. So that stuck me a little bit. And after talking to the team, talking to my representation, I mean, I was dope. I was super, super psyched to come to the Jets. I always say, like, yeah, you, you went to the Jets, you were Jackson. I'm like, yeah, I was the first pick of the eighth round for the Jets. So I was always excited to be on the team because my father was a Jets fan, you know, being, you know, born in New York, I was, you know, my father was a Jets fan, my mom followed the Jets, so it was definitely cool to go to New York for that staff and everything, you know, and then my first week there is rookie camp, you know, you know rookie camp where you had the priority free agents such as myself, you know, guys that they brought in, then you have guys who are there, there's, you know, street free agents they're there to work out, and then you know, we go through the drills, and you know, I started out the outside linebacker in uh, rookie camp, and I thought I did pretty good. You know, it was cool coming in. You know, it was just the rookie, so you feel like, all right, these are the guys that you know possibly I can compete with because we're all in the same situation. We're all just came out of college, and we're all trying to figure it out. But I had a little extra. You know, uh, one of my uh, college college um, teammates, Brandon Rankhart. He was a he was a, in his second year with the Jets, and he didn't play his first year. He was on practice squad, so he was on the he was at the rookie workout with us, and you know, sometimes will have. Second-year players here to try to evaluate. Right. So he was he was helping me out, and I thought I had a step above playing outside backer. So I, and, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job of just going in, there. and I was just happy to play football again, even if it was in shorts and t-shirts and helmets. I was happy just to be on the field because my last game of the season against Louisville, I walked off the field and I was like, "Man, I'll never play college football again." You know, and I didn't know if I was going to play football again. So just being there was exciting. You go through rookie camp, you know, rookie camp, the three-day camps, and you meet all the staff and. After that, you go home, and then you get ready for OTAs, and, you know, when the rookies have to report to off-season training. And, man, that was crazy because I get in, such like, all right, you're with me. I'm like, cool. And I noticed all the other outside backers went a different way. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I thought I was uh, outside linebacker. He's like, now we want you to learn the mic. And I was like, the mic? So I was going from defensive end, injured, outside linebacker for three days, and now they want me to be the the, the play caller and the signal caller of the defense. And, you know, right there, that was probably right when I hit them, I'm like, all right, this is the NFL. Nobody cares. You know, what you did It's like, all right, what can you do for us now? This is what we want you to learn. This is what you have to do. And right there, I think that was where it kind of ended where I was like, college guys, this is a pro game. Nobody cares. I want to play outside linebacker. Or I think I'm pretty good at the end. It's like, no, we want you to play Mike because this is the way that we think you can contribute and that you can make the team. And Right there, that—that's probably the end of my college like lifestyle, where I was like a pro now into the pro game.
2: That is the longest edition of Story Time with Jamal that we've ever done on the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry, honestly, this is, there's, there's, there's no Jets football for the last couple of weeks. I figure, you know, I give you kind of some depth you know, player history.
2: That was awesome, though, because I loved the retelling of your entire journey through that process because it told us so much about how these things work. It's such a mystery to people because you hear stories, you see things. And I know Nicholas Dowadoff talked a lot about it in his book, but there's still that firsthand account that you almost never get in depth like that. You'll hear little anecdotes here and there, but you don't hear the full story. So that's awesome. I do think that it would have helped your draft stock a lot if you'd been healthy and been able to play in one of these postseason ball games like the East-West Shrine or the Senior Bowl because I think then you really could have put on display what you had done at Rutgers. How much do you think that being able to play in these postseason ball games can help somebody? Now, obviously, if we're talking about a top-of-the-line prospect, a guy who everybody knows is already guaranteed to go, say, top 10, then fine, don't play and risk injury or even risk having a bad game and having your draft stock drop. But we have seen a lot of instances where guys have done well at the Senior Bowl. I mentioned a couple of them before and their stock went up. How important is it, do you think, for these guys to get into these games and to showcase their stuff, not just in the games, but also throughout the week at practices?
1: Oh, my God. I think it, I wish I got an opportunity to play in a. Um postseason, you know, senior bowl type game and senior game because I think it's an invaluable experience that they can get. You're not only do you get to play more football, but you're playing against different people. So it is not it's not anymore about, well, you're playing this conference or you didn't play anybody or, you know, you had a big game against a bad opponent. Now you're playing against similar guys in the same situation as you and obviously, you know, as we see all the bowls are kind of teared. You know, senior bowl may be the biggest in the East West Shrine so on and so forth. So you're playing against guys who are similar to you and you're getting coached by NFL coaches, NFL, an entire NFL coaching staff. I believe this, this year, I think it's the Saints. I believe the Saints are coaching the team and Seattle's coaching the team this year. If I'm, if I'm wrong, you know, don't kill me. But you're getting to play and coach and work on, you know, go through practice with the entire coaching staff. And you always hear coaching staff talk about, you know, we didn't know much about them. We scouted them, but, we, you know, we had a chance to get our hands at them on them at the Senior Bowl or at the East West Shrine game. You know, we got a chance to work with them, you know, in practice. And coaches are looking for, well, they're doing the same thing. We drove a defense yesterday. Can you take it from, the, from the, the one time how we draw it up to the field? You know, they're running NFL practices down there. So, you know, it's quick. How do you retain information? You know, how do you, how do you process the information? Can you take a coaching point on the field and the next play can you adjust? Or are you a guy that has to come off to the sideline? You have to see it drawn up on you know in front of you. You have to run it back a couple of times before you can get it. And they're you know they're learning what happens to you if you have a bad practice. If you, if you get your ass kicked, if you get blocked to the ground in practice, you know how do you respond? You know maybe if you have a great practice next the next day, are you still hungry? Are you still a dog? Or are you coming back the next day thinking, okay, yeah, I balled out a little bit yesterday, so y'all can see how you know how I'm and I practice. And I've even heard of coaches where you put guys in uncomfortable situations just to see you know how they react. Maybe you. Run certain coverages that you know. All right, against this offense, is going to be a tough cover from them. They may get beat a couple of times, but you know, as a corner, you got to be a guy with a short, short, you know, short memory. You know, and you can see that in these practices. So I think it's definitely a valuable experience, maybe a little bit more than a game. Now, when it comes to the game, it's always difficult. You see some of the top guys; they tend to pull out the game. You know, try not to get hurt. You know, but a player that, you know, somebody like me that was coming off an injury or, you know, from Rutgers where I was playing, you know, maybe I would to finish the season healthy. You never know what my stats would have been. But, uh, you know, guys from smaller school, maybe you weren't a superstar, maybe you're not a first-day guy, whereas teams, you know, don't know about you. The more that they can see you, see you perform, see you in a different defense or taking different, you know, coaching points from different coaches, what can you do on teams, I always think it is definitely a better situation if you can go out and show – how you can play, especially this question of you know, are you big enough? Are you fast enough? You know, how twitchy are you? You didn't finish the regular season well. You seem like you're on your front runner. You can answer a lot of those questions, you know, when coaches get their hands on you because you know they can put you in certain situations. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. You answered one of the questions I was going to ask you in terms of what these teams really look for at these bowl games and during the practices. But I'm wondering if... After going through the process yourself and now training others to go through it, there are things that you learned while you were going through it that you maybe weren't prepared for at the time. But now through the benefit of the knowledge of wisdom through the years and also through having been through it yourself, these are things that you advise kids to do that you had never been advised to do or you were unaware of going into the process.
1: I mean, the process for me is always – it was a fun process. I think the one thing that I ended up – and, you know, when I work with the athletes and the combine guys at, uh, the facility that I, I train at in uh, Bridgewater uh, Test Sports Club, you know, I train a lot of the guys. And the one thing that I've been doing over the last five – probably five to seven years is as soon as the guy – so if you're a combine guy, you know when you're is, It's the end of February, you know when you're going to be going in. You know, if you're a guy that, you know, maybe you know you're not a combine guy, you still may not know even – you know, now we're mid-January. Some of these guys still don't know when their pro day is, when they'll have their opportunity in front of coaches. But the one thing I always tell them, as soon as you're done, as soon as you do your pro day, you know, if you go to the combine and that's the last day, that's the last time you're going to run a 40 or that's the last time you're going to do five, ten, five broad, jump, vert, bench press. Whenever the last day you're going to do that, if it's your pro day or if it's the combine, I always tell the guys, listen, once you're done with that, get back into football training now. Get back into change of direction. Get back into – you know, if you're a receiver, getting your routes, you know, running your routes. If you're a D lineman, you'll be training 40s. So Just work on your 10s. Work on your get off. Just work on, you know, running the hoops, bending the corner. You're conditioning because after you run your 40, after you, you know, you do those drills that they're going to measure you on. You go to the combine, they see you, you know, they see you do the drills. The next thing is either you're going to get drafted or whatever. But if you have workouts, it's football workout. And then when you go to the team, you got to go make the team. And what we've seen a lot over the last couple of years is we've seen a couple of young guys and we've seen teams change the way they do the process when they've been rookie, rookies in because guys are getting hurt because you've been doing five, 10, 5 you've been running forties for so long, for 12 weeks, sometimes longer, that you haven't been in a real football practice. You know, you haven't been watching the guy in front of you and then having to change direction and stick your foot in the ground or redirect while punching him in, in the chest. You know, we've seen the guy at Jacksonville get hurt, I think, three or four years ago, his first play at rookie camp. You know, if you think about it, I rehabbed the bicep. I trained for the 5'10'5. 5, 5. I did all this thing. Once I got picked up by the Jets of the priority for agent, the first thing I had to do was go play football. But I haven't, I, before that, I didn't play real football since the end of October. And this was already into April. So that's the one thing I started advising guys on. As soon as your last 40 is run, as soon as your pro day is done, get back to doing your football drills, get back in, you know, football shape because You know, it's not only about getting drafted. It's only not only about you know making a team. It's about going out there and competing, and you know making a team during camp and be ready to go with OTAs. So just get back at it.
2: All of that said, now Jamal, as we get ready for the Senior Bowl, and we're going to have the practices coming up next week, and then the game will be that weekend, which will be nice because it's really good to not have a break in football. You have the playoff games this weekend, and then you have the Senior Bowl the following week. I think it's smart the way they set that up. So what do you think we should be looking for if we're watching this game? And I want to talk about what we see in the game later on after the game happens. We'll do it in a future episode, but what should we be keying in on as viewers? Obviously, we now know what the coaches and the players are going to be trying to do. But as viewers, how should we be viewing this?
1: The game is always weird because, you know, now you're watching players in a new defense. So you want to watch guys fly around, guys that look confident. But it's a game. So guys that go out there and make plays. And that's the hard thing about it because as a coach, you know that some of these guys, they've only seen this you know, offense or they've only been in this system for a you know, week or so. But when the lights are on, it's about who's going out there and making plays. So if you see a guy that's popping up a lot, they're saying his name a lot, or he's, you know, the Jets are looking for an edge guy. If he's beating guys around the corner, not only is he – he may not be getting the sack, but you want to see him beating guys, You're consistently creating pressure. You know, if he's a corner, locking down guys competing. Those are the things that you're looking for because, you know, you've seen guys that go to practice and they can practice great. Oh, he, he looks great all week. And then when the lights are on, it's kind of like they don't want to take the shot. And, you know, sometimes I was a young guy before, and I I was like that before where the light came on, you're like, ah, and you froze a little bit. So you want to see guys just keep competing. And the thing with the senior bowl is, listen, it's the best on the best. And, you know, everybody's there. Somebody wants to see them, and the possibility that all these guys are going to get drafted. So you go out there as an edge guy, and you, you know, beat this, you know, big-time offensive tackle, and you're you're beating them on rushes, and you're killing them. And people say, oh, man, he's a third-round draft pick or he's a second-round draft pick. But if you're, you know, having a good day on them in the game, you know, that can probably, that can elevate your stock. You know, if you're a corner and you're locking down a receiver that thousands of yards throughout college, he's going to be a first- or second-day guy, and you're putting the paws on him and locking him down and moving with him and challenging him, you know, that can help you, you know, that and then the scouts can go back and say, wait a minute, we like this corner, but we don't like him that much. Let's go back and look at the film again.
2: All right, man, he is
1: aggressive. Let's just check the numbers at, 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 the, at the pro there on the combine. Let's see, let's see what, how we run. You know, we don't know if he's fast enough to play in this level. Man, you know what? 4-4 he, four, four, four high. Okay, that is good speed. Good speed. Film is good. He Did a great job at the senior bowl when we worked with him, you know, shutting down a certain receiver, you know, and then in the game he's, he's showing up. That's the guy that the coaches are going to point to and say, listen, man, we didn't we knew about him, but let's, put, let's keep watching him. Let's keep investing in him because this is the guy that we may be able to get you know, for us, and he has all the talents and all the traits that we like in our locker room. He has all the, you know, the physical capabilities that we like on the field. He can, He's the guy that can make a go for it. So you want to see guys popping off the screen. You want to see guys going out there and making plays.
2: Jamal Westerman walking us through the entire process for the postseason all-star games as well as the combine and then telling his own journey which is fascinating because you don't typically get to hear a step-by-step story like that only here on play like a jet do you get that and no less from the guy who sacked Tom Brady not just once but twice now you know the process that led him there. If it wasn't for all of that, his story might have been different. He might have wound up on the Chicago Bears or something, and then instead of sacking Tom Brady not once but twice in a single game, maybe he's sacking Matthew Stafford not once but twice oh, in a single oh,
1: Aaron, game. Aaron Rodgers, though. I think Aaron Rodgers would beating Adam and Brady, right, See? Which one? Which one you want? Who you want now? Aaron <laughs> Rodgers
2: or Brady? I think doing it to Brady is more impressive, but yeah, doing it to Rogers would be pretty awesome too. You can't really complain about he, that. He's mobile,
1: right? He's mobile, agile, hot size. A True. Right? You get the guy. He's moving around. Brady. You know what do we say? I saw? Brady. We all saw that combine run. But listen, man, he making it go But that combine run. I don't know. I may not know now. why he was a late draft pick, man, it's just see they look. They put too much on that forty. They didn't see that
2: man was the goat. Yeah, but that shows again why this whole process is imperfect, and that's why I thought it was really fascinating to hear your tale of what you went through because if you think about it, and I don't want to pick on the guy, but look at what happened with Vernon Golston and how he did so well at the Combine, and he bench-pressed a million pounds and did a billion reps, and he could run, and he looked great with his shirt off. You were injured, so you weren't able to perform like that.
1: I didn't look as good as Vernon with my shirt off. All my fat in my body sits, sits on my exterior, so it just makes me look a little bit different. Like the, My muscles are there, but it's just internal muscle. I like to keep everything inside because I'm a humble guy. I don't want to show all my muscles and pop out my shirt. So my fat is on the exterior, kind of like a cushion. So, you know, me and Vern, you know, you know, different body types, of, you know, obviously.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair almost nobody would look as good as Vernon Golston with no shirt on the guy looks like the Incredible Hulk so it's kind of an impossible standard but my point is sometimes it takes more than just appearances and just straight up athleticism and being able to do these drills and stuff the combine to make a good NFL player and whereas you were able to go ahead and sack Tom Brady not just once but twice in a single game Vernon Golston was able to sack nobody ever in a game in the NFL so just goes to show you how this process works how it's perfect and how the path is different for everybody but your story was awesome so i appreciate you sharing it this week jamal for everybody that wants to get a hold of you maybe prod you a little bit more on this talk a little bit more about your story or even about some of the other things with your career what's going on now maybe they want to pick your brain about who you like in the super bowl after the conference finals are over how can they get a hold of you
1: you know Jamal Westerman, Jamal J A M double said Tom Brady twice. That was you said, right? L Westerman on Twitter, <laughs> J Westerman ninety on a, uh, J Westerman fifty five on uh, Instagram. You know I'm everywhere. Having fun talking to the play like the Jet fans, man. They're always got good good questions, good little. You know some guys give me a hard time though, but I, I appreciate it though. A lot of fun talking to Jets and you know having a great time talking football, especially going into the playoffs and moving into the roster building. You know combine season It's definitely a fun time.
2: Go ahead and follow Jamal on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, when you're looking for him, it's J-A-M-A-A-L, two A's, because as Jamal himself just said, two A's for the two sacks in a single game on Tom Brady back in 2011. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com